In Your Money Today, Carolyn Wright takes a look at some of the ways AI could be set to change your life forever. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. AI has been a key driver for the tech sector this year, but not only is it driving markets, it's also driving conversations about how the world of work and business may change. So what can it really do for us? Could it one day run our businesses? Could kids find themselves being taught by an AI teacher? I'm joined now by Mary Devereaux, who is Senior Advisor at Sec Newgate, and Dan Blurton, who is Managing Director at the Harbour School, to find out. Thank you both for joining me in the studio. Thank you, Carolyn. Yeah, thank you, Carolyn. So, Dan, can you help us with an explainer first? Get, tell us what generative AI actually is uh, and what it does. So, of course, AI research has been going on for decades, but what's new, what was released uh, in November of last year was ChatGPT 3.5, and that's really when AI exploded into the public consciousness, and that's this generative AI idea. And generative AI just means that this AI can produce content in unstructured formats, so not just tables, but actually for a variety of different ways. It can do long form, short form, or even tables if you want it to. So, Mary, what are businesses like the field that you're in, communications, using uh, generative AI for already? It's quite interesting because we're using it in so many different ways and it really depends on who you talk to. As you probably know, there's so many versions of ChatGPT, you know, and right now we're using one called WriteSonic, we're also using the traditional ChatGPT. Some of us are using it for, say, fleshing our ideas or just creating a structure when you're facing a blank screen and they just throw words in it and, and ask for the little helper to help us out. What is also excellent for in our business is for rephrasing English for non-native English speakers, you know, which is easy for me, but I mean, I've already found in the last month or so, I'm doing far less editing than I used to. And also we found it's fantastic for translating Chinese into English. But I should put a word of caution to the listeners. It's, it's no good for translating English into Chinese, traditional Chinese or simplified Chinese. So one way and not the other. Yeah, so far. <laughs> how interesting. Now, Dan, you're in the education sector. So how are schools and students using it? Because we've had a lot of we've heard a lot about it being used by kids. Sure. Like many things tech-related, the younger generation is going to uh, lead us on this. They'll adopt it first. And we already have a funny story at the school about how students submitted an assignment that said, although I'm a large language model, I, you know, uh, I can't answer that question. Um, and of course, we immediately knew it wasn't his work. Um, so <laughs> students are using it. They're, they're way ahead of us. What's important for schools to do is understand that students aren't necessarily using it to its best or in the most responsible ways. And it becomes our job to teach them the core skills that come with AI, like checking the work that's produced um, and standing behind it and also citing the work that, that the tools that they're using. That's very key for us too, Dan. You know, um, it's all very well using AI, but if I'm using AI, my client needs to know that I'm using generative AI. And, and <laughs> you talk about citations as one of the interesting things. That one of the things that generative AI is bad at is telling the truth. You know, it, it tries so hard to please you when you ask it a question to do something that sometimes you, know, you ask for, say, um, tell me four pieces of research about X, Y, and Z, and it'll come up, but here is some recent research, and then you look it up and you find it's 20 year old research but it doesn't i don't think it means to lie i think yeah. it just it just tried really hard and it does it very convincingly very convincingly yeah. well i think there was a recent example of this in in a court case where yes. a, a, a lawyer a, allegedly f 
for having some precedents using AI that may not really have been precedents. Yes, <laughs> and, the, and the two cases, one in the US and one actually here in Hong Kong. So we won't name names. No, we won't name any names there. But I think you're absolutely right, and and this is uh, this is true. However, you're doing things in education in your job, certainly as a journalist, I would always say according to or whichever news outlet reports. If I was going to cite someone else's work, so why wouldn't you do the same with AI? Which we we do, and of course the danger is, as Dan said, is it might try to cite for you and you've got to check you know is, is that citation correct or is it completely like made up you click on the link and you find what <laughs> you know, that they're citing you know some some geological school of an architecture when, when you're talking about politics in the European Union you know who knows but I, I know I, I give it full points for, for you know for it's trying hard but it, it does have a lot of problems it has difficulty understanding basic data protection hmm. and I'm sure you're finding that um, Dan and, and not that it was for schools but you know which is worrying and obviously governments are worried about this and some have even gone far as banning it which I wouldn't go that far but we're on this huge race to kind of catch up with this I mean we've opened Pandora's box and there's no closing it right now so we've got hope yeah there's a, there's a big risk around privacy and you know anything you reveal to an AI is potentially accessible should you get hacked so this is true for businesses and students um, and just going back to something that was said earlier, you know, even citation or not, a big risk for business is just explainability. Whatever you put forward, you need to be able to explain as your work and understand <laughs> whether you're a student, again, or a business person. So that's something that needs to be bear in mind when you're using AI. Now, some of the crazy headlines about AI have been to the extent that some, somehow it's going to take over the world and humans <laughs> will become extinct. But I'm going to dial back a little bit on that and see what your thoughts are and whether it could be taking our jobs anytime soon or whether students may find themselves being taught by an AI teacher. So for, for me, um, it, it's it's actually, I think it's kind of creating jobs at the moment. I mean, what it is doing right now, it is saving time. Uh, and, and that's the key thing. And, and that may well change, you know, because you know, so every, every week is a different story. Right now it's saving us time, it's saving us time with translation, rewriting, with structures. But we also have to learn new skills. We're having to learn how to give really good prompts. You know, I, I've discovered I was giving terrible prompts, you know, up until about a month ago. And, and I've done a little course to kind of teach myself how to talk to a chat GPT. And it's very different. Though I do still find myself saying please all the time, you know, <laughs> I guess that's just the British in me. And um, we also, one thing I've, and again, something good advice is giving it parameters. You know, I mean, I found I've got a useful way of getting the best out of it is is if you ask it to do something and then you will say, well, I give that give you a five out of ten for that. Can you make it a seven out of ten? And it will try its best to do better. Wow. Believe it or not, it, it is that. <laughs> it's a good student. Freaky, yeah. It, does, it goes away and does its homework. Yeah, I, I, the research is that the median job is going to have 15 percent of their work affected by AI, and 19% of all U.S. workers will have more than half of their work affected by AI. So the people who are least at risk here, dishwashers, agricultural equipment, operators, that kind of stuff. But surprisingly, the people most affected by this tech advance is financial industries, consulting, insurance, data processing, publishing. So those are uh, you know, basically any kind of knowledge worker. So there will be winners and losers, for sure. But I wouldn't be panicked. I think the thing that, that I keep hearing said is, you know, it's not AI that's going to steal your 
job. It's the guy using AI who's going to steal your job. This is a, a common refrain from society every time a new technology is produced is, hey, this thing's going to destroy the world. But it's just not true. Um, it's never been true. And, you know, there, we'll find ways to stay valuable. I'm actually going to pick up from Dan just said, you know, I mean, I feel lucky to be a digital immigrant. Not, not, not a native. Mm. So, you know, um, I, I remember the first fax machine arriving, mm. <laughs> let alone email. So, so, you know, and every time, you know, it's, it has been doom, gloom, this is the end of what we do so far. And here I still am no, working sorry. full time. So I, I think this is just another, you know, I, I do not underestimate it by any way. I think it's a marvelous thing. But um, I also thought the fax machine was a marvelous thing when it arrived. So um, <laughs> it's just another new tool. <laughs> it's just a new toy. That's right. But, but, but the, the key thing, I think, and a, a lot of big consultants like ours are getting to grips with this is putting together policies about how we use it and how we report to our clients on how we use it and that to me is really key to make sure you know we've got, got those in view so our clients know exactly what we're doing and how we're using it. So let's conclude with a final question. Do you think you could see it one day running a business or, or is this just an impossible sort of idea? Hmm... I, I say no, but I, you know, I would naturally say no. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a half glass, half full person, so I say no. I think, I think the same way that mobile phones didn't take over the world, and neither has virtual reality yet managed to mm. to do that part. It's still going to need people. You know, it, it, it needs stuff put in to get good stuff put out, and no. that needs real people. Yeah, for the moment, I'd agree. No, it's not very good at identifying human needs yeah. or being proactive about addressing them. So, so we're still needed. It's good news. There's, yes. <laughs> there's a lot of room for improvement. Thank you both so much for coming in today. That's Mary Devereaux, who is Senior Advisor at Sec Newgate, and Dan Blurton, a Managing Director at the Harbour School.